0: Breaking a tackle inside the 10, Nakua down inside the 5. He's got Atwell open at the 20! Atwell inside the 10, it's first and goal! Williams oh, slithering inside, and Kyron Williams with his second! On second and eight, looking for the tight end, he finds Higby! And Higby inside the Seattle 25, down at the 22! effort with backside pressure has to get rid of it, into traffic, and Nakua! Wow. With the catch and the token. Smith in trouble, and down he goes! Kobe Turner, the rookie from Wake Forest, the conductor, gets his first NFL set.
1: Hey guys, welcome to another East Coast Rams podcast. Uh really big week coming off of our first dub of the season. And no, everyone, it was not in week 17, so we are not going one in 16. Uh, unfortunately for all those caleb william fans uh we got our first dub and we got a special guest here payo time how are you doing uh and welcome to the pod
0: dude ashton zach it's an honor to finally meet you guys been watching your content for a while everyone i just if you're watching this i can't stress enough this is a collab that's I feel like we've been trying to organize this since, like, the spring or something. I don't know. So, so glad we made it work. Love your content. Thanks for all the hard work you guys do. And I'm excited to talk to you guys. Number one, we got the big dub on Sunday. And number two, it's Niners Week.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, Niners Week. Every Rams fan's favorite week of the year where we lose. Hey, hey, not this time, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later uh zach how are you doing
2: hey i'm doing great everyone everyone in those doubt those doubters just saying that we weren't going to win this past week the rams proved that they got they got some stuff up their sleeve and uh this is going to be a very fun year i think um i don't know i just had so much fun watching the game like even though they were down 7 to 13 at one point like i still wasn't in panic mode like it just seemed like this was just gonna i was just like relaxed and Ready to watch some good old football, and it's just been a while since we were able to do that.
1: Yeah, uh, so let's first start on this Puka Nakua news, and this is kind of breaking. We're rec- recording this later in the week than we normally do just because of scheduling stuff. Uh, Jordan Rodrigue reported uh, of the athletic Puka Nakua did not practice. And they did not say exactly why. And Jason Taylor was also limited because of a groin issue. Uh, Zach, uh, are you worried about this? Are you not worried about this? And a uh, payo after him.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not concerned at all. I've been following some other people and uh, it just looks like some internal sources have, are coming out saying this is not a big deal. Um, this is, it's, it's a rest recovery type situation. I don't think, I think the Rams want to play it safe um, when it comes to their players. And yes, you know, Ashton, we kind of talked about this before the pod, like it, you know, rookies don't normally get rest days. Um, But because of the situation with Cooper cup, I really believe that they are just trying to take things as precautionary. Um, I'm sure he still did some sort of walkthrough, um he did i i assume i don't know for sure but i I assume he participated in some way shape or form he just didn't participate in actual practice today
0: yeah and i'm I'm not like a medical professional or anything but i thought sheffner uh tweeted out that uh it was an oblique potentially so again i don't know a lot about that but it did sound like it was more precautionary as zach was saying i think if, we're, if Ram fans are going to worry about this, we'll need to wait for the Friday injury report to come out. And uh, then I think that'll be a lot more telling. Like if we start hearing things like he's a game time decision or something like that, then it's like, uh, I don't know. But I, I think Puka suits up. I think he plays. And I think he has a good game.
1: Yeah. Um, again, uh, people have heard me say this a lot on podcasts. I I don't trust this team with injuries. I just don't. They have a long history of just straight up lying to you in the moment, Um, which I understand from their point of view, it's strategic. It's also like players, uh, player personal info and stuff like that. Uh, So we'll see. I get some sources are trying to say that it's not. I've just seen time over time. They just straight up lie. So, my opinion, we don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, he plays and we'll kind of talk about it. He was a monster. I was on the knife's edge between him and Van Jefferson picking him up on a league, and I so regret not picking him up. (laughs) People do not understand. I already have a really great stack team, and uh, he would just been the cherry on top. I would have looked like a genius picking him and Tutu up. Uh, so you know, made a mistake there, but uh, you know, hey, he he worked out well. So uh, Zach, let's kind of break down uh, this game. The Rams win, uh, thirty to thirteen, and I'm gonna just you know put a drink out for that. That's a work boys. I know I wasn't always the most faithful uh, over the last week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh I'll, I'll pour one out from my uh, take of the L, you know. Now, I wasn't like some people. I thought we were going to lose by three points. We ended up winning by 16, 17, so, you know, a little, little drink there. Uh, Peyo, just general overview of the game. How do you think we did?
0: Uh, well, I think we did really well. I uh, Going into that game, I was – I thought we had a chance to win it. And I was honestly in this mindset of like, okay, we play Seattle tough in Seattle. I I, I, I did predict that we would win the game, but I thought it was going to be like a field goal victory, you know, one score game. And then to come out and play like that. And I know like I've had several Seahawks fans comment on my content being like, our two tackles went out. Lockett was temporarily out of the game. And, and like, that's all true. But you still held an NFL team to 12 yards, really three yards, because nine of those yards came in like the last play of the game, which was a garbage time nine-yard run. So t- for a great second-half defensive performance like that, phenomenal. Offense, obviously, we've been talking lots about Puka Nakua. We've been talking lots about Tutu Atwell. And I like what we've seen from this offensive line so far. And again, it's one weekend, but I think we got so used to bad O line play or inconsistent O line play last year, that just seen a sack free game, that was just like that might be the biggest win, like outside of the stat sheet, mm-hmm. is just Stafford didn't get sacked once that whole game. And I think he only got hit twice.
2: So I'm I'm not surprised by our offense. Our offense played as we I think we all kind of figured they were. They we knew that they were gonna be the ones who are gonna have to carry this team just based on the unknown, you know, we're all using the word unknown. The team's using the unknown of the defense. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: I, I really think that, you know, the offense should surprise us. We knew that they could score 30 points, not a big deal, but it's that defense. It's the defense being able to hold them to 13 points, which all came in this first half. And then again, as your point, you know, holding them to three yards really in the second half, like that is monstrous. As you see, my daughter in the background uh, getting a little Rams fan
0: behind you. (laughs) She is.
2: They're they're all big Rams fans. Uh, But I'm I'm again like super super proud of this team. Super proud of this uh, this offense. And and yeah, I just there's there's not a whole lot more I could say that that really just really just brings light to like how good this team was. I mean, we posted that our our keys to the victory was uh, our offensive line protecting Stafford. Which they did. He was yeah, did. wearing a white jersey. He had no green on him at all. Um, getting the run game going, half of their um, half of their plays were run games, a uh, run plays. Uh, defense can bend, not break. They definitely bent a little bit, but held them. And then keeping pressure on Geno Smith, which they did the whole second half. And look, another one entered the field. They're cloning now. I know they're they're starting to pop out of the woodwork. Uh, I'll let you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump out real quick to let put these kids to bed again. But uh, you guys talk for a minute about uh, getting uh, about this team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, my take, Payo. It basically, uh, yeah. This game was a really well put together game, but not a perfect game. Uh, I, I think there's some issues, and we're going to go back to some of uh, my uh, copyrighted negativity. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to run offense and run, run defense, I think this team has some holes, uh, has some questions, and uh, things that need addressing. While, yes, we had a lot of run plays. Uh, they were kind of ineffective outside of the red zone whenever Mm -hmm. uh, they were trying to cover uh, the wide receivers, which is a testament to how well the wide receivers did. I think going into this game, I was kind of uh, not knowing if this wide receiver core would step up after such a lackluster year last year, a really terrible year. Even with Baker Mayfield, they just weren't able to produce. Some of that was the line, but some of it was when the line got better in the latter half of the year, they just couldn't produce. So could Van Jefferson, could Tutu uh, really take a step up from their previous years, and can the rest of the depth chart kind of produce uh, with uh, this wide receiver core? And uh, they answered that question, I really do think uh it looks like tutu has kind of beefed up a little bit uh he's making plays not just down the field but in the middle like mid part of the field and the intermediate part of the field his route running looked better and you could definitely tell that uh it was just overall a better improved wide receiver game uh but those two things could definitely be adjusted uh and it's not a Rams game in the last few years if it if we didn't have a cringy special teams play and that <laughs> block filled goal was um uh, okay, oh, not not good. Oh, I,
0: I was so scared when that happened. I was like, oh no, is it gonna be this kind of game but thankfully that that uh, did not tell the whole story.
1: yeah, it was very important for the defense to stop them after that block filled goal because if we go down seventeen the seven uh some of these games are just momentum and people don't realize when like momentum gets out of hand it doesn't matter how well a team is prepared everything gets thrown out of the window your game script gets thrown out of the window uh stuff you're planning on attacking gets thrown out of the window you become more dimensional on defense and offense uh and uh just going down 17 the seven can be very detrimental Uh, going into the second half, and this defense was able to stop. Not a perfect defensive performance, but nearly perfect, especially in the second half. Uh, And we'll talk about individual players here after we kind of break down uh, every quarter, and not every quarter, but uh, the game itself. So, uh, Peyo, let's talk about that first Seahawks touchdown And uh, what happened there? DK getting uh, a better uh, Kendrick. Uh, What is your opinion on Darian Kendrick? Are you pro Darian Kendrick? Are you anti Darian Kendrick? And uh, what do you think the defense changed in the second half to kind of reduce that?
0: So great question. I would say I'm definitely pro Darian Kendrick. Uh, Would the real DK please stand up? (laughs) Um, But I... uh, I, I would say this. I don't think we move on from Jalen Ramsey necessarily unless the Rams knew what they had in their young secondary. And, and you know, people, people are making a big deal of this, how like our secondary is all late round draft picks. Well, the reason we can do that is because Darian Kendrick has developed into an NFL caliber defensive back. And is he at Jalen Ramsey's level? No. Um, Will he get there? I don't know if he has that ceiling, but I think he plays at a high enough level that the Rams can retool this secondary. And I, I I haven't seen enough yet because it's only one game to see what this defense is doing. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they play the Niners. I I think that Raheem Morris played, he called one of the better games of his defensive coordinator tenure with the Rams against Seattle. And I'm looking forward to seeing him on, on Sunday against the Niners.
1: Yeah, and this isn't any lackluster offense either. This is a really loaded wide receiver core, really good tight end in Noah Fant, a really good running back. Now the line, like a like like you said earlier, the line was a little beat up for Seattle. Uh, that definitely had a part to play in it, but it's not like our D line outside of Aaron Donald is really anything to write home about. Yeah.
2: But it's that it's that Aaron Donald effect. I mean, he he makes the other players look better because he's yeah. always. I mean, at one point he was quadrupled teamed. There were four offensive linemen try, and he still got into it. He still got to Gino. He didn't actually he threw the ball before it, but like just knowing that he was quadruple hit, and then he still was able to at least get to Gino almost right before he threw the ball. Like it, it's it's that AD effect, and you cannot. That is just it's it's an understatement to say how important he is to a football team no player no defensive player in the nfl makes that big of an impact no
1: we potentially win that green bay game in the playoffs if we have ad at full strength and uh, let's also state that like during a lot of training camp in the summer uh they started triple teaming ad during live reps and i I think you're starting to see the benefits of that payoff. Like it's going to happen in games. Why not do it in practice? And it makes yeah. sense. He, he's not going to get one-on-ones anymore. That's just, no. he had that for a season or two. He's never going to get that again for the rest of his career outside of if the Rams trade for someone nuts like him. And even then, like who are they going to trade that's better than Aaron Donald that gets more attention? Very hard to imagine anyone. So he's going to get that for the rest of his career, and he's definitely uh, still producing at a high level, which and just, I think we all expected. Yeah.
0: Just quickly on the Aaron Donald front, how happy are you guys that we're, Aaron Donald is back? Like, I I had a moment in the game against Seattle where I was just like, man, I missed Aaron Donald. And, like, like, I, I, like I'm probably you guys, but I know I've seen every snap of Aaron Donald's career. And last year, after he was injured and out for the year, it just, it uh, like, Oh, it, it felt empty. <laughs> it was like, Oh man, like what is it? But having the heart and soul, you know, the, the player on defense that can close out a game. I'm so glad he's back.
1: He,
2: he just brings another energy to the field. Like you even watch like his pre- com- press conferences post uh, practice. And he's just, he's just energized. He's, he's rejuvenated. He he's ready to go out there and just like play his heart out. And it's just so much fun Yeah, to watch.
1: Yeah, I almost explain it like he doesn't play as if he's the best defensive player of all time. He plays like it's his last down and that he will only be on that field for that single down. And every down, he pours 100%, and then he remembers that into after the game, before the game, during training. And like that pure dedication... It, you very rarely find that in people, let alone football players. And uh, when you find that person and they have the natural gifts that Aaron Donald has, that's such a rare combination. That's why he's such the special player he is. And when you find someone like that in life, you latch on to him and try to learn that. And you can tell it's infectious, especially to D-line, who see that stuff from day to day. Mm-hmm. So in the second half, uh, we can kind of summarize what happened. Uh, yeah, we took uh, Seattle out back and just paint them senseless. <laughs> uh, so it, the third quarter is basically the highlights are Rams touchdown, Rams field goal, Rams touchdown, Rams field goal, Rams field goal. Uh, all rushing touchdowns, too, by uh, – Uh, Kyron Williams and then one by Akers Uh, what do you guys make of this rushing offense I'll I'll ask you Zach because me and Payo kind of touched on it a little bit Uh, I I don't think it was fantastic they did good in the red zone but if we're going to see success against top tier defenses we're going to have to get more than three yards per carry just going to have to do it (laughs)
2: Yeah. So, as uh, when I thought about it, when you, when, when I was watching the game, I thought we had a really good, we had a really good run. Um, It seemed like we were getting big bursts, you know, 12 here, nine here, five here, blah, blah, blah. But then when you go look at after the game and you look at the stats and you're like, we didn't even cross 100 yards. We, we ran the ball 40 times and we didn't even, we got 90 yards out of it. Like it just feels lopsided. But I think the key is, is that we, we kept the all we kept their the Seattle's defense honest because they never knew when we were going to run the ball. We kept just trying and trying and trying, and we just, you know, couldn't we couldn't make through, but we were able to still do stuff with the in the, the pass game. I mean, you look at the first, our first um, our first drive where we scored the touchdown. 16 plays. That is a scripted drive. We all have to remember that that is scripted by Sean McVay nine of the 16 were run plays four or five of the first plays were run yeah. we did at least four in a row if not five that were all run plays sean McVay is learning just like the rest of this team and he's he's making improvements and he's realizing that i can be a better passing coach if we run the ball more and i think we saw that this game
1: yeah i have to I... be I I just think uh, long-term, like, living on third and long is dangerous. And I think that's going to catch up to this team if they can't address that in the future. And some of that was the run blocking wasn't the best. Uh, Continue, Paya.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think the point that Zach made that's really the point is it kept Seattle honest, right? Was it the the best run game? You know, Obviously, if you're going to run it 40 times, you'd like to see a little bit more production out of your running backs. But I think it could also be a game script thing. I, I've been saying a lot this week. I think that Mike LaFleur, our new offensive coordinator, had something to do with that game script. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, bringing that in because, you know, he he was with the Jets before this, before the Jets, he was with the Niners, which, again, I'm really excited about because it's the first time we've had someone from Kyle Shanahan's staff over on our staff since, you know, he got hired there. And I I think that the commitment to the run is, as Zach said, you know, keeping them honest and, you know, ultimately helped our, the production of our passing game. Stafford looked great out there.
1: Yeah, but they were missing their best linebacker in Jamal Adams.
0: You mean their safety? Yeah, yeah.
1: No, he's a linebacker.
0: Oh, is he a linebacker now? Oh, <laughs> oh, he plays. Oh, okay. he's. <laughs> I don't follow the yeah. trash talk. Hey, Jamal Adams barely even plays anymore. <laughs>
1: I mean, that's that's true. Uh, so Zach, uh, talking about run offense, let's talk about the run defense. Um, now I do know in the second half that Seattle got away from it. You know while getting destroyed, you tend to have to start passing. But we gave up, like, 50 yards in the first quarter. Um, That's a little scary, Zach, because if this game was close, or if Seattle would have kept to the run a little bit better, and they didn't have so many drops, like, you're talking about a game where uh, it could have been close because of Walker. Uh, He's a really good runner, and it it just – I, I think Seattle uh, just got a little panicked and started doing a lot of short passes, and it wasn't working out for him. Well,
2: what I what I see about this is that they they were they they did really well in the rushing game, especially in the first half. But what what the specialty of Raheem Morris is that bend don't break mentality, and I keep bringing that up. And you we got to give credit to Raheem. He he will let you go down and march down the field, but when you're in that red zone you are going to have to do everything in your might to try to get a touchdown. They are not going to let, they're just, it's not going to be as easy to -hmm. score a touchdown in the red zone against this Rams team. And it's, and this is, this is time over time. This is even last year when they were having a depleted season, like their defense was still, you had to push it to get it into that red When they were in the red zone territory and the Rams were able to do that. They kept them to two, two, two field goal attempts at least. One was successful, or maybe two were successful. But either way, you know, keeping a team to field goals is what the Rams are looking for so that their offense can do what their offense needs to do.
1: Yeah, they're risk adverse. They are not looking to get three and outs like other defenses. Now, it's one of those things where if, it, if you get a three and out, yeah, that's cool, that's nice. They want that. Uh, but they're looking to cap explosives Uh, with coverage, with uh, fooling the uh, quarterback, and reduce the percentages. And apparently, analytically, if you reduce explosive plays, the percentage of times you get touchdowns at the end of a drive go down exponentially. And that's the whole point. It's a very data, statistical-driven defense. And – it's frustrating to watch. We've been watching it for two, three years. It can drive you nuts at times because uh, you're like, oh, we're giving up 30, 40 yards uh, a drive. But when we do eventually get that stop, uh, it helps. Uh, it does struggle against other run-heavy teams, and this is going to be our uh, pivot. Uh, like the 49ers. Oh, look at that pro pivot, Zach. Uh 49ers week, uh, we still don't have Cooper Cup. Um, Zach, uh, going into this game, we all know, we've seen the stats. Uh, everyone, and even your grandmother knows, the Rams have lost to the 49ers eight straight regular season games. Does that end in uh, what's your keys for this game? And then Payo after that.
2: So I'm gonna say, um, I was at the, the the game that started this eight lose, lose this eight loss streak. It's very Sorry. disappointing. Um, it's even sadder that I took my best friend, like me and my best friend's a 49ers fan, oh. uh, which I know it's oh. it's a it's a crushing blow. This, this uh, story gets worse every word. I know, I know. know. <laughs> and uh, me, me and his, uh, me and his wife. Uh, planned like we we kind of did this kind of thing where we were we went to this game together for his birthday um yeah so it was it was very disappointing and they haven't won since other than the nsc championship which again you know you win when it when it really matters
0: hang Um, your head on that always always always
2: you always have to hang your head on that so um but as far as this game goes i think again and i'm and i ashton knows this i am the optimistic one of the group I will always say the Rams have a chance. I think every team is beatable. Mm-hmm. And I, that is the same thing with the 49ers. We, the 49ers are really good against the Rams, but they are also really bad against other teams. And I, I can see it. I rewatched the game that happened this past weekend with the Steelers. And uh, I believe what pretty got sacked three times um, against TJ Watt. Like, so this offense isn't prone to making mistakes and being able to let the, the, the rushers come through. And I, I, I can, I'm not saying that they're going to win. I always, I think this is going to be one of the closer games and you know, the 49ers may end up winning this. And I don't think that should scare any Rams fans. Uh, But I do foresee that there is a possibility sticking with the same, the same uh, keys to victory that they did this past week, if they did the same thing this week, there there's no way that they're, they're not going to
0: win. Yeah. I, I don't like well said, I, I would just kind of add to that is some of the keys that I think that need to happen for the Rams to beat the Niners is number one, the game plan, uh, you know, use Michael LaFleur and his football IQ, Sean McVay and his press conference today complimented him and just the value of having him in there. I think, I think he is an upgrade of our offensive coordinator position this season, and then number two, I think on defense we got to crash the right side. Uh, Trent Williams, the 49ers left tackle, he's really hard. You know, he's such a solid you know left tackle, and I think the Steelers tried to do it because it seemed like Brock Purdy gets rolled to the left a lot. So if we can crash that right side of their line put pressure on it and getting Brock's head early, keep him looking right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he, Brock Purdy's played really well for the last pick of the draft, but I don't think he's this invincible quarterback. I think that he still needs, you know, to develop as a player and his football IQ continues to develop and yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think this Rams team, it will actually be a really good test for him. Uh, a lot of people are saying this is a litmus test for the Rams I think it's a litmus test for both teams. It's only week two in the year.
1: Yeah, just piggybacking off of that, I, I definitely think it's something where you haven't seen Brock Purdy in a close game, really. Uh, most of the games he started for 49ers, their defense uh, was very dominant, a uh, fantastic defense, really good at applying pressure using D-line And while I think their secondary is good, not great, it's good enough where if you're getting pressured on every, like, drop back, you don't need a good secondary. You've got to either throw the ball in under three seconds or you're getting put on the ground. And um, if this team can kind of uh, stay in the game and force Brock Purdy to actually have to make decisions and not have an easy game where he's just sent back – Being able to pass short and medium routes and let McCaffrey do all the work, uh, you know, we could see what he's really made of. And maybe he's really great, but, you know, he hasn't been challenged uh, to this point very often. But, guys, again, let's rotate back to the fact that our run defense, when they were running, uh, wasn't great. And the fact is, The 49ers will not give up on the run. They have to be down further than two scores. And that 49ers team hasn't done that in a while. And We'll have to see if this offense can really put that burden on the 49ers to have to be able to pass. And, yeah, they had some really good passing stats, but a lot of that was with the lead and a lot of play fakes. And you can't really play fake. From behind when you're in clear passing downs, uh, McCaffrey's gonna be living in the end zone, uh, most likely. But the question is, can we cap that to one touchdown or less? Uh, and can we I cap mean, his did. explosive ability?
2: I mean, he didn't have any touchdowns, right? He didn't have any touch. Oh, no, he did. He had one touchdown, uh, against the Steelers, he had a 60 so...
1: yard touchdown against, yeah, Barnum, that's a big... yeah that the one, Steelers. I don't really, really know, really good. I, yeah, that one. Now our secondary I I think is at least we don't have better safeties than Steelers but I mm-hmm. I think I really do believe our cornerback uh, cornerback group is better. I think we have better overall offense. Can you pick as only a second year qu- quarterback and mm-hmm. really struggling the read NFL defenses? Stafford don't play that. We saw that in the NFC Championship. Uh and yeah they played the Rams when Stafford was in last year, but that was without a really functioning O-line. And with that D-line, it's going to be impossible to beat them if we don't have good O-line plays, especially on critical passing downs. And it's going to be remain the. We'll eventually see whether or not uh, that works out for us.
2: I mean, Steve Avila is going to be tested big time this yeah. this this go around i mean i mean we saw how clean he was and how how well he protected stafford um but this if anything we're concerned about this um 49ers defensive front um they were going to be challenging our offensive line just as we we've, we've we've been mentioning but um you know just you know nick bosa he's he's a monster i mean yeah. he he is a monster he i don't think he's as threatening as aaron donald is um you know, I don't. I don't think you're gonna. Not most quarterbacks are gonna say, "Oh my god," when they're getting rushed by uh, Nick Bosa, even though he's a, a beast of a player. Um, uh, he's 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 still not the he's still not Aaron Donald. Um, but they're frightening. I mean, Fred Warner, another great player on their defense, oh, yeah. and it's, it's. It's just gonna be it's gonna be a tough sled. And as long as that offensive line can protect Stafford, that's the most important thing. What I want to see is I need Cam Akers to I need him to do something more than <laughs> uh, and it's and it's really bad because I'm a I'm a Cam Akers fan. I think he is, yeah. but when I'm watching him, I'm like, and I'm watching the um the Seahawks running backs, and like when their path is blocked, they go around it. And I feel like Akers never goes around it. He just keeps going the route that he's supposed to go. And it's always swallowed up. And I want him to want him to bounce out, go around. Like I see your I mean, I I know it's hard. I'm not playing the game. I'm here commenting about the game. So I, I I surely have nothing really that I can say. But like, you know, when it's not working, you need to make your own decisions and try to see if you can move somewhere else. Cause it just it seemed like for him, he just couldn't break through and that's potentially an offensive line problem but then if that's the problem then you need to you need to find an alternate route to to be able to get the yards you need
1: yeah it, he he comes off as a player that's very momentum based like if he's having a good game feeling himself he builds on that over the game and you see that he he has really big games sometimes when he's building off of that uh payo like what do you think think about cam makers do you think he can progress and get better and stay with this team or do you think potentially he could be someone the rams are shopping by the deadline
0: i i don't think the rams shop him um obviously i guess it depends on your record and things like that but i the one thing i will say this is one of the most important years of cam makers professional careers um, just because, you know, contract year coming up, you know, is he, is he going to get re-signed by the Rams? And then if he's not, you know, he'll be looking for a job for with another team. I and, and all the weird stuff that happened with Cam last year, like the personal beef with McVay and things like that, that we really don't know what happened. I'm just curious, what, you know, what is Cam Akers as an NFL running back? Is he this elusive guy? Is he this mauler? Is he this power back? And we've seen aspects of you know all three of those to his game. I just I'd like to come and I, I would love him to be this dominant rusher, right? Like he had 22 carries and only like 50 some yards, right? And some of that might be just the game script. I get that. But I mean I, he played
2: he played at the end. He was mostly the one running the ball at the end when they were trying to up the game. clock. Yeah. yeah. So he he didn't get a whole lot just because of that kind of play. But, Yeah. yeah I get what you're saying.
0: Yeah, but I'm always going to be cheering on Cam Akers, definitely. But just, yeah, like Zach and like you, Ashton, I'd love to see Akers go for like 150 yards in the game. That's
2: just not how the Rams are going to play. I mean, unfortunately, that's how it is. I mean, they're going to be running back by committee. They've been running back by by committee pretty much
1: since Since 2020.
2: I mean, since Todd Gurley. Since 2019. Yeah, well, well, Cam Akers had that kind of explosive – Um, front of the year of like 2020, um, where he could have probably been a lead back with kind of a secondary. But, uh, but now right now, most, most NFL teams, other than like the 49ers really um, are, are playing a running back by committee. uh, And, And like, that's okay. But
0: just like breaking off, like, you know, a 30, 40 yard run here and there which I feel like we, we you know we don't see that a whole lot. Like we're more likely to get a screen pass or a slant route that gets you yeah. know broken deep than, than a yeah. you know an, an outside run to the left or right. Yeah,
1: I, I, I mean, would Kyren, definitely expect a lot of screens against 49ers. A lot of screens.
2: I think Kyron Williams had a couple that he could have exploded and he kind of got tripped up a little bit, and I think right. he could have you know gotten the 20-30 yards out of it. Um, so we'll see I like I said he he was pretty explosive for what when he was in um he got those nice two Tds um so that that was excellent so I'm looking forward to his career going off
1: totally yeah uh yeah guys i I, I think this is gonna be a, a very interesting matchup when it comes to offense against our defense what's some critical uh playmakers for our defense. Uh I really think if you look at the game Ayuk had, he was a monster, above 100 yards. I think he had two touchdowns. Um really good play. Uh who in the secondary has to step up to kind of cap Ayuk especially during like play action and stuff like that. 49ers will be trying to use to trick us.
0: Well, you know, Darren Kendrick, for sure, you know, he's got to continue to to play at a high level. And I'll be honest, in this game, and I'm kind of surprised I'm saying this, when I compare Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, I think Debo might have different, you know, types of plays that he can beat a, a team with, but Ayuk has just become a really consistent wide receiver. I'm actually a little more afraid of Ayuk moving the chains in this one. Than Debo breaking off a big play personally. I don't know if you guys agree with that.
1: He he kind of reminds me of a high upside Robert Woods, like oh, prime prime Robert Woods, really good route runner can beat you on any level at certain time. But he's not overly flashy. You know what I mean? He's not like mm-hmm. mossing people, not like kicking or like kind of getting them out of their boots or like completely tricking them out but uh he he's overall a very well-rounded wide receiver
2: i mean when he when 2020 you know before they uh got christian mccaffrey like he was there kind of in their backfield all the time whether as a fullback co-running back kind of ordeal and um you know he's that kind of that threat but like as far like as you said like when he's out in like long distance he's not really you can kind of take him out of that like he he might get you 10 15 yards sometimes but it's it's not an immediate threat. So I definitely think DK is going to be um, probably more mm-hmm. on uh, Iuke, um unless something catastrophic happens. Um, I kind of want to see what Trey Thomason can do. Like, he barely played at all in this yeah. past game. Okay. Okay. Um, surprising. Surprising. But, you know, we, we got – you know it's all this unknown but we have Kobe Durant we have um you know DK uh we have uh Witherspoon like those those guys are they're good and you know other than you know that terrible play by DK uh Metcalf um <clears throat> like which I'm still shocked that there's nothing nothing nope. has been I, said I thought he didn't, fine. he, he didn't get fined he didn't he should have got it she should have got suspended like that's yeah. that should have been a game one suspension at least a game suspension from him and yeah. to hear nothing come out of that since yeah. that happened when it was live. T- like this wasn't something that was caught like on a camera that this was on broadcast TV that this happened. And it's just, it's it- that's just kind of the thing that it doesn't matter what team you're on. Like Metcalf could have done that to a, a 49er, you know, cornerback and that's, that's just not okay. Whether we like 49er fans or not, like it's not okay to do that.
0: No.
1: What What do you guys make of this safety pair? I mean, Russ Yeast and Jordan Fuller, great game. Neither of them really gave up any plays. Like uh, in John Johnson, not really getting snaps. Uh, how can you argue with a safety pair that really didn't give up anything the entire game against a really talented wide receiver core?
0: Totally. And people forget how good Jordan Fuller is. He was injured last year, and it makes me so mad. He's such an intelligent player. Whenever you hear him like talk about football, you're like, oh, this guy could be a head coach. Like, He could be a defensive coordinator. He's so intelligent. And I, I think that one of the underrated parts of the Rams, is, the Rams is the fact that we have you know Jordan Fuller and then Rush Yeast. And a secondary in general that I think is quietly more veteran than people give it credit for. But yeah, I'm I'm a huge Jordan Fuller fan. I'm so glad he's back healthy and he had a great game in week one.
2: Yeah, you know, I was super I was super mad when we lost Nick Scott. Like, I was really mad. And because I think he's a great player. I thought he was able to snipe things out. Um, you know, he was kind of like to me, he was he did a lot of things that I like about Jalen Ramsey and the in the DB position that he that he kind of brought into that safety position so I was really mad about that but again kind of to your point uh Ashton earlier is that this Ram front office knows what they're doing and to let players go like Jalen Ramsey like Nick Scott and knowing who they still have Mm -hmm. in-house I think just says it is a testament that you know the Rams can can get away with getting rid of some players who the fans may disagree with. This also includes, um, you know, Greg Gaines, um, players like that. Again, one of my favorites that I wish we would have kept, especially with the deal that he got um, Joseph with Day. his new team. Yeah, Joseph Day, um, things like that. And But the Rams, the Rams know what they're doing. And I think this game, this past game, and I think, you know, I think in this game and these coming future games, they know what they're doing. And I think they're just, they're playing at a smart analytical mode where they're relying on what they know is best. They have Aaron Donald who they know is going to take up two to three players on himself, which gives, you know, at least one or two players freedom to kind of do whatever they want. And then you have um, Matthew Stafford. He's the top five quarterback. I don't. I don't care. You can give like he's a top five quarterback. Don't don't seventy six in be-
1: Madden. Like That's, don't give me this BS
2: anymore. Yeah. Top ten at most. Like this this dude is an elite quarterback. Let's let's stop. Let's stop playing with all these kids and saying that they're great before they're proven. I, I what? Quote me on that. You could throw me up. I don't care. These these kids and and I can call them kids now because I'm older than these folks by significant (laughs) amount it it is it (laughs) turns out these kids are unproven they just got their big contracts and they're playing like you know they're back in high school like and not a lot of good qb
1: play this
2: week no especially this week and whatever if the rams lose the rams lose but it's because the 49ers are just good and i will give them full credit that they're good he was not good
1: he was not the problem last year Ever. He was only trying to make plays when he could while being injured. And like, you can see that he's healthy now. And this wasn't a great game by him. He, he had some missed throws. He had some miscues. He overthrew wide receivers. He missed two touchdowns and we still scored 30 points and he still got above 300 yards. If this guy, when you give him weapons and you saw this in Detroit, you saw when he came from an offense that was just lackluster, not schemed well, didn't give him weapons, and when they did, they would just abuse the weapons and get him out of there, and he would only have one, one at a time for most years. You put him in a more friendlier scheme, a better head coach, a overall more positive environment, and give him true weapons – it, it, the sky is the limit with Stafford in an offense. And, you know, we scored 30 without our best offensive player. Like, uh, yeah. it, sure. it, Peo, uh, what's your take on Stafford? And uh, what makes him so good at being able to dissect defenses and, uh, you know, just destroy the Seahawks?
0: he well and again i think people forget that cuz he was injured last year and people kind of say he's washed you know whatever he proved on sunday he's he's putting the nfl on notice that he's going to be an elite talent he has a he has one of the best arms in nfl history and then he's i would say in the current nfl he's one of very few quarterbacks that it's like having an offensive coordinator on the field because of his football IQ. Mm-hmm. There's very few quarterbacks, you know, to to Zach's point of like, the kids aren't there yet. <laughs> They're not there yet. They might get there one day. But right now, no. Stafford, maybe Mahomes, or definitely Mahomes, Herbert's in that range, maybe Allen. But there's not a lot of them.
1: Yeah, and uh, let's add to the fact that even in 21, his arm wasn't fully healthy. He had shoulder issues that year, and uh, he couldn't really throw it deep. Like he had issues even in the playoffs being able to throw it uh, very far. And he he had the opposite problem; <laughs> he was throwing it too far. But what
2: gets me so mad about this whole Stafford thing? Again, you go back and look at the tape. I wasn't big on Stafford coming to the Rams only because I was a Jared Goff apologist. Sorry, that's what I was. So, but I, but I but I I'm giving him the credit that is due to him. And the one yeah. thing that's just frustrating is just what we saw this past Monday night. 45 seconds into the game, Aaron Rodgers goes down, Achilles torn, off the cart, and everyone's already talking about how big of a success he's going to be post his injury his big comeback there was none of that for stafford he gets he's really washed point. he's done and he's six five six years younger than than rogers like give me a break yeah. like yeah. he he just won the super bowl two years ago and you're already calling him wash when was when did Rodgers win the super bowl like how long ago was that like let's let's if we're going to compare apples to apples, let's actually do it. And let's be successful with this. Like give him the credit that he is due this, this guy is an elite quarterback and we need to stop just disrespecting him because whether it's his age, whether he was with the lions for so long and he had it, he was injury prone at that point too. like, give me a break. This guy has done. He went to a new team and won the super
1: bowl in its first year. I think he went like oh, eight or Lord. nine. So I don't get where the injury prone thing came from because yeah, he missed a year in his first three years, uh, but he went on an eight year or nine year stretch of not missing a single game in the NFL. And he was, he was hurt various times, but a lot of NFL quarterbacks get dings, bruises, get slight hurts and teams just never say anything. Or they never like publicly say it, so I never understood where that kind of criticism or critique of Stafford came from. Like the first time he missed longer than like uh, five or six games was like a decade before like last year, and not to mention like last year he probably could have came back a little bit sooner if it wasn't for the fact that the whole team was a dumpster fire. So,
0: and and just like on that point probably one of the best decisions the Rams ever made was shutting Stafford down for the year so that he could get healthy for this season.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it makes no sense. Keep playing him when your chance you didn't really have realistic chance. And if you did happen to make the playoffs, like you're going to get cooked. You like, you're not going to have any of your starting players at that point in time. And you're just going to get cooked anyways. And um, why what- risk Stafford getting hurt?
2: Yeah. One of the other things I think we didn't really mention in the in the post game from last week. But I think something that's going to be super important for this week is our tight ends. Um, you you look at, you know, Higby and you look at Hopkins and like what they did in the last game. They didn't get as many, you know, uh, catches Attention. as the other players did. But when they did catch the ball, they critical were they moments. were doing it was critical moments and they were getting yardage. Hopkins that's had a 21 good. yard. Um, Higby had had 130, and then uh, I'd like he had two other catches totaling 49 yards and averaging 16.3. Like, those are good numbers for a tight end. Um, and we had both of them catching significant balls, so I think they're gonna they're definitely gonna be tasked in this way. Um, but I would not shut out Higby, like. You compare Higby to, you know, you got Kittle. And Kittle's a great, great tight end. But he's, he's kind of been lackluster within the last, I mean, really within the last year. Um, he's still a prominent tight end. He's still really good. But, like, you know, let's put him up against Higby. I think Higby can take him.
0: Oh. The Higby hot take. Love that.
1: <laughs> I think Higby's better blocker between the two. Uh, but I do think after the catch, Kittle is just more physical than Higby. Um, but he's been just... less
2: efficient over the last, I mean, like mm-hmm. last week, he only had like one catch for 19 yards or something like that. Like he, he hasn't been, if you go back and look at some of the last games, he hasn't been utilized as that receiver threat. And I think it's because they're trying to protect Purdy as much as possible. And yeah. he's being that blocker out there.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see how he uh, does against us. He typically does really good against us. He he seems to always catch touchdowns against us. He He's a big focal point in the red zone for 49ers when they play us. Uh, how are you feeling about uh, doing predictions, Zach?
2: I hate predictions. You know how much I hate predictions. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I love doing the things Zach hates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yin and Yang uh, podcast. Here we go. That's all, no, I love it, love it. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have the bad jokes. He has the great analysis. Um, so uh, let's start with you, Peo. You're you're the guest. You you can get the microphone. Um, how do you see this game going? What's your? You don't have to give final score prediction, uh. But it's always fun to see how wrong you are. You know. Totally. It's, no, I love being I'm wrong. Selling. It's great. You know? <laughs> um, Put it on the internet. No one will ever see it again. I know
0: right? receipts. Right receipts. Honestly, I'm a I I am a homer. I'll fully admit to. It. I pick the Rams to win every game. It's I'm not like superstitious, but a little stitious, just a little bit. Uh, so. I am picking the Rams to win this game. I do think this game is going to have a tale of two halves approach. I actually think uh, the potential for the Rams to come out a little bit flat in the first half. um, I I think we'll be trailing. But I think we'll keep it close all game. And I think that we see a Matthew Stafford led, let's say, a 75-yard drive down the field. Uh, to get us a touchdown for a win. Uh, And uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. What about you, Zach?
2: Well, I hate predictions, as I just mentioned, but um, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I like kind of like Peo said, I kind of would think it would be reverse. I think the Rams kind of would lead off first. Um, They do not do really well trailing behind more than a touchdown um when they get a little too pass happy and they're they're not able to kind of you know they they just get they get out of their comfort zone they try to just do too much and too quick so um if anything i think they go hot first and then they come back um and get cooled off a little bit but um i i would say that i would feel more comfortable with the rams losing this week um so that they can prepare themselves for the Bengals and the colts game Which are not easy tasks, but I think could be less difficult um, than this one. Um, But I really do see that the Rams could pull out this victory as long as they stay with our East Coast Rams keys to victory. I'm gonna keep pushing that. Uh, Keys to victory.
1: Yeah, I I definitely think the first half is gonna be a defensive struggle. I. I kind of am expecting no touchdowns in the first half by either team. I think it's going to be like a six to three or like a nine to six type game. And then I think it's going to explode wide wide open in the second half. And um, I'm not expecting the Rams to win this one. I, I think the 49ers are very systematically built to be to beat the Rams. Uh, I think they have great linebackers. They snuff out the run. uh, They counter our play action. And uh, they're really good at covering down on wide receivers. And the same thing with our, uh, you know, uh, defense against them. Uh, They're very horizontal movement. And we've always struggled with tackling against them. Uh, Even Bobby Wagner really, like, didn't help. Uh, with those issues. So I'm hoping that the secondary can be much approved with tackling. We can play very aggressively downhill with our safeties and uh, we can get some stops. Uh, but I, I definitely expect the Rams to lose this. Um, I'm going to say 27 to 23. I, I think it's going to be a nail biting loss. I think we're going to have the ball to end the game with a drive and uh, I think we're going to just miss out by a few seconds and just go for and for and out and uh, not be able to get that uh, touchdown to win the game, which I think a lot of Rams fans coming into the season. If I would have said we were one and know going in this game and we have a shot that beat the 49ers uh, in week two, you would take that 10 times out of 10.
0: And think of it like starting the year off with two NFC West division wins. That's awesome. (laughs)
1: That's, that's very bold, Uh, very bold. We got to beat the 49ers and we haven't done that in a while. So history
0: favors the bold.
1: (laughs) I mean, it does.
2: I mean, you you look at it. I mean, there's not many teams that can go eight in a row with, you know the same team over and over again you know i know that kind of even like if you go watch the Bengals and the browns game like the Bengals seem to always lose at the browns stadium for whatever reason it's like the last six games or something like that they've lost um but time does come up catch up to itself and you know those odds are statistically never in that favor um so The Rams can make it happen. I think it will happen. It's going to take all the fan base to be there. If this is going to be a, um, if it's going to be a red out in SoFi, you know, it's, it's going to be too loud. And, you know, I think that's really going to hurt the Rams in the long run. Um, So we need every single Rams fan in LA in the surrounding areas to show up, represent, if you have tickets and need to get rid of them, sell them to Rams fans. Don't sell them to 49ers fans. Like, we need to pack that in blue, not just white, which is fine. I guess if you wear white, that's fine. But, like, people see just based on the color scheme of what things look like in there. And if it's white and red, they're going to more think that it's going to be 49ers fans than if it's white and blue. Um, so show your blue, even though they're wearing white, which, again, not really sure why the Rams are doing that. But whatever. They're letting the 49ers wear their home red red jerseys. So. They're
1: trolling. The 49ers it- – it, to me, it's kind of like a passive aggressive organization. Like, you think you're being funny wearing your home jersey it, that all your fans call like Levi South. Like, you think they would have been humbled losing in the NFC championship. But, like I said, yeah. and like you pointed, yes, yeah, stats are stats. The Rams players have to come out on that field and play that game. And no matter what stats get thrown out, when you start playing the football in that game and anything can happen, we can blow them out. And I hope this team takes that personally. The fact mm-hmm. that this team thinks they can wear their home jersey down at someone else's stadium. And they they are really, they always talk smack. And I'm hoping these players take it personally. Like, it, it they're attacking your team's culture and you, you got to stand up for it or they're going to just keep on walking over you until you stop it.
2: The one thing I want to add to that is, yes, they need, they need to show their, their passion on the field in their gameplay. They, they were very – they restrained themselves, the defense especially, against the Seattle offense, against what DK Metcalf did against what some of the other players, like when they were taunting them and things like that, they restrained themselves so that they could finish off the game strong and not let penalties and things like that mess up their game. And that's the mentality that this defense needs going into this. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a grueling game. It's going to be a, a knuckles-to-knuckles fist fight all day long. This, this There's going to be tension, but they need to be able to hold back as much as they can for this team um i mean even sean McVay, we saw sean McVay get fired up on that dk hit and it's the same thing every player every coach is going to have to restrain themselves just just enough to win this game and make the other team pay for it by by coming off looking like jerks yeah
0: i'm ready for it
2: yes so ready i'm just ready for it i'm kind of just ready for it to be done like i do kind of like 49ers week because it kind of like gets us all kind of fired up a little bit like oh yes
0: i don't know have you guys been on twitter this week with like 49ers fans and ram fans
2: i stay away from 49ers fans other than my best friend who he's the only one that i'm but that's he can, fair. I, he I, sometimes I can hardly stand to be around when it's for.
0: <laughs> I just know there's been a lot of bookmark tre- tweets, uh, tweets this week on both fandoms, so I expect a lot of trash talking. What, however, the game goes,
1: <laughs> always is. Yeah. People always is. love talking the trash. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well,
2: I think we've kind of talked, uh, talked this all to death a little bit. Uh, so I think we're going to wrap up this week's episode of the East Coast Rams podcast. Thank you, Peyo, for coming on and joining us on this week's episode. We're going to have to keep collaborating because this, this has been really fun.
0: For sure. Right. You guys are welcome on my channel anytime. Thanks for having me on. It was great to meet you digitally in person for the first time. And uh, as cool. always, go Rams.
2: Yes. And thank you to everyone who supports us each and every week. You can find us on every social media platform, Instagram threads. Uh, we're kind of still heavily on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then also our YouTube, uh, you know, we're recording this not only for your ears and the audio version of the podcast, but you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash at East coast Rams. Hey, um, do you want to plug your content while, while we got you?
0: Yeah, sure. You can find me on YouTube. That's where I do all my stuff. I host watch parties for every Rams game. I do little skits here and there, just trying to have as much fun on the platform talking about the Rams as I can. Uh, If you search Payo Time, P-A-Y-O Time, I'm the first channel that comes up because it's a weird, unique name. It has nothing to do with the Rams.
2: (laughs) Ashton, want to say anything else before we wrap it up?
1: uh no i'm hoping it's a really competitive good entertaining game and if we win uh i i really think this team is potentially something special that a lot of people didn't see coming Uh, but they're gonna have to work for it and um if we can get cup back and we're three or four wins i i think that's gonna be a really dangerous team really dangerous but they gotta work for it and uh, we'll see. We'll we'll know a lot more, even more than what we knew from week one after this game. For
2: sure, for sure. All right. Well, if you guys what what's your prediction? What do you how do you think the 49ers and the Rams game are gonna go? Leave your comments below. You can send them also to us at our email address, feedback at eastcoastrams.com. Guys, it's 49ers week. Let's go win this game. Let's go be 2-0 and lead the NFC West. Er, well, the NFC West by a big margin. Let's go, Rams House. Whose house? Rams House. house.